You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. Got a great show for you today. Later on in the hour, hear the app of the week. We'll go open line as well, taking your tech calls and questions. And we'll be finding out about humans in the future. Humans 3.0. We've got Peter Nowak uh, will be joining with us to talk about uh, that in his new book. Did you read his first book? No. Sex, Bombs, and Burgers? No. It's about how the... I guess the military and uh, pornography had had um, helped spur all these technological innovations, and so this is the new book talking about how us humans are going to be like with all this technological change. Lots changed since his last book, so um, I, it's just, this is actually the first book, Mike. I think I've read in about five years, like an actual book, not like e-books, <laughs> a book. <laughs> it was kind of weird. Interesting. Yeah. Lots uh, going on in the news uh, this week. Down uh, in the U.S., uh, a big ruling uh, with the FCC. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, um, kind of, they're kind of like our CRTC, somewhat. Yeah. Um, saying that uh, they're now going to classify the internet as a utility. Mm-hmm. Kind of like water. Yeah. Electricity. And the reason behind that is a lot of the big uh, internet service providers down there. Uh, want to create, uh, I guess, a two-tier system. Yeah. Um, create a, I guess, a better, faster internet for those people who want to pay more, and just have the old internet for the rest, for the proletariat. The proletariat. <laughs> but uh, you know, here in Canada, um, uh, the the government has been looking after uh, the internet, I guess, in some way, making sure that it is open to everyone uh, and doesn't go that way where there's multiple tiers. Absolutely. And, and it, it needs to be like that, I think, because think about all the people that have started companies through the internet. It, it, it was an equal playing field. You had a great idea. You can make a lot of money. But if the internet is tiered where you have super fast internet and just the slow one, it's, it's not fair. And companies that, that own the pipes are, are going to have um, or can afford to have the faster internet are going to be an advantage. And the internet, and, and we've talked about this, all data on the internet should be treated equally. There shouldn't be like the Lexus lane of, of internet speeds uh, out there. Everything should be equal. It has been like this. They're trying to change it, but the FCC and the CRTC has both ruled on Canada and the U.S. that it's got to stay equal, and that's why they're considering it like a public utility. It, it's interesting because, you know, because of the openness of the internet, so much innovation has happened, you know, over the past 15 years, yeah. really. Like, to see this much change and growth technologically in my lifetime has just been astounding, amazing. Like, like Facebook. You know, the kids, yeah, the kids that don't, I don't even think fully appreciate, like, how far we've come. Like, my kids are so connected now. Mm-hmm. They can chat with their friends, and they have friends around the world. Yeah. I couldn't do that. Absolutely. Well, I could. Pen pals. A pen pal, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that change has happened so quickly, and that is because it's been open. You know, one example up here in Canada, uh, Bell was forced by the CRTC to drop one of their uh, TV packages for their mobile customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you could pay 10 bucks a month and get some Bell channels uh, on your mobile phone, live channels, to watch while you're on the go, and um, it didn't count towards your data. Yes. And so, you know, I can see Bell's point. They've got a whole bunch of channels that they've bought. Yeah. And they've got the mobile network. They're but in, they're in business. 
if if Bell was allowed to do that, it would set a new precedent. And then everybody would follow suit that, oh, this doesn't count on your data, but this does. And this doesn't count, but this does. And that would ruin the internet, so to speak. You think of companies like Facebook started in a dorm room. Now it's, what, one of the most valuable companies in the world. If the internet was tiered, do you think that, that could have happened? It, it would make things more difficult, you know. And, and again, back to the Bell example, um, some people say, "What's the big deal?" But when they don't count their channels towards the data for their mobile customers, that puts other companies like Netflix at a disadvantage. Absolutely, because now if you want to watch Netflix on a Bell mobile device, uh, the data that you're using, oh, it sure does count towards your your data usage per month. But if you want to watch Bell's programming, that doesn't count. Yeah. And so that's totally unfair. And um, for the people that are interested, it's called net neutrality. That's the big kind of uh, theme that's going on in both Canada and the U.S. So it's, uh, it really is a good ruling. It's, it's funny that the U.S. is a little bit behind on Canada. Canada's already had it, and we've ruled that, that the Internet has got to be equal. But... Um, the fact that it's just happening in the in the U.S. just shows that we're we're pretty far ahead when it comes to protecting the internet and and all the data that's up there. What other news stories uh, caught your attention? Did you hear about that artificial intelligence that that Google did that was ba- basically able to beat some Atari games? That was uh, yeah. So the Atari games that um, for the Atari video game console back from the seventies. Yes. Uh, this algorithm, this computer algorithm they've come up with can actually uh, beat humans. Not, not only that, it, it, what, what's fascinating about this is that this algorithm, basically they, they just give it a game and it figured the game out. It figured how to get high scores, how to play the game, and then how to beat it. And I think half of they, they played about 50 games and half of them, it outperformed humans. A couple of games, actually, they couldn't beat humans. Miss Pac-Man. Miss Pac-Man apparently is, is a pretty hard <laughs> game for, for a computer algorithm to figure out. So if you want to beat a computer, that's the game you'll, you'll want to play. So but, when the computers take over, I've got to pretend I'm like Pac-Man. <laughs> absolutely. To outsmart them. But, it, it, but what was interesting is, you know, we look at some of these supercomputers and artificial intelligence, like Watson, you know, IBM's supercomputer. Um, it actually played Jeopardy. I believe it won. But they had to load that thing with, like, so much information. I think they said four terabytes of information yeah. so that it had all that knowledge. Whereas this algorithm basically learned things on its own. Absolutely. Isn't that crazy? So imagine this, this algorithm suddenly learns how to play a driving game, and it does really well. They'll, they'll be able in the future be able to take that into these driverless cars, and now it can drive because it's figuring things out. And that's, I guess, pretty groundbreaking this whole uh, notion of artificial intelligence. And Google is trying to hire all the best artificial intelligence researchers in the world and put them all in together in the same room to try to advance this whole uh, Does it scare industry. You? <laughs> you know, at first, like for kind years, of. for years, you know, you, we watch these movies about, you know, the computers becoming too self-aware and taking out human beings. Yeah. And, you know, I used to laugh. There's no way we're going to see that anytime soon, but... With the advances that I've seen over the past, you know, 10 years, I, I can see it happening. Absolutely. That, we, that computers will get smarter than humans. What, what kind of uh, blew me away was a 3D printer that could build a 3D printer. And I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting that you can – and then, then you get an artificial intelligent computer building things. Um, but, you know, some big, big names like Stephen Hawking and uh, Elon Musk, mm-hmm. you know, the guy behind the Tesla and SpaceX – they're warning now 
that we have to be careful of artificial intelligence Yes, as human beings. But at the same time, we, we really, really want it. But um, it, it is advancing so fast that um, I think their warnings are uh, – we should take them into consideration because it, something serious could happen if uh, the artificial intelligence advances so quickly. Well, on that note, when we come back from the break, we'll be talking with Peter Nowak about humans 3.0. Maybe we can increase our technology and intelligence to outsmart the computers. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here in the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. What will we be like in the future? We know... Computers, technology is always advancing. How will that uh, be incorporated with human beings? On the line right now, we've got Peter Nowak. He's the author of a new book, Humans 3.0. Thanks for joining us today, Peter. No problem. So tell us about your book. Uh, Andy and I were just talking about artificial intelligence before uh, in the last segment. Um, Will the computers win or will humans? (laughs) Uh, I think it's humans are going to win in conjunction with the machines. Uh, that's definitely something that there's been a lot of angst about that lately, uh, both about robot, robots taking our jobs and then uh, eventually, ultimately wiping us out. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. It's, uh, it just does, hasn't been the case so far in history, and uh, I don't think that's going to happen anytime in the near future. How will technology be incorporated into us? Yeah, well, it's um, yeah, it's kind of uh, we're talking about transhumanism here, where we become cyborgs. It's kind of funny because we've been uh, becoming slow. Uh, we've become we've been becoming cyborgs slowly but surely over the last uh, couple hundred years. Um, you think about things as simple as eyeglasses. Uh, they're not internalized technology. They're something we kind of wear externally. But um, those are kind of a great example of early technology. And now, of course, we're in this. Uh, wearables phase where we're slowly but surely getting all these different uh, kinds of gadgets that we're wearing on our different parts of our bodies. Um, I think we're kind of in the early stages of that where some of the stuff isn't very good and it doesn't work very well or it's not very uh, stylish. But, um, you know, I think 10 years from now we're going to have, we're going to be covered in wearables that are actually measuring and, and monitoring every part of our uh, biology and, uh, and our environment as well. Peter, I'm just started to uh, to read your new book, Humans 3.0, and you were talking about wearables and how it's going to revolutionize medicine because it's going to make it more personalized because our physician can actually get all this data from our wearables, um, and then they can call us and let us know if something's happening. So instead of just taking pills or something, it'll be more personalized. Is that really what um, how you see it? Yeah, I think so, because I think if you look at the way medicine works these days, the, the, the entire pharmaceutical industry, um, it's really, it's, I, we don't see it as much in Canada, but if you ever see an ad for a medication in the U.S., um, you know, they're not allowed in Canada on TV uh, for the most part, but when you see these ads on TV in the U.S., uh, you know, they tell you a little bit about the medication, and then there's this horrifyingly long list of side effects, uh, you know, that seems to go on for like five minutes. Um, and that's because medicine is created for large groups of people today, um, and they, you know, they try to do tests to see, uh, to try to get these uh, medications to be as applicable as possible to the, to the widest uh, population as possible. But um, uh, once we are able to actually, or once we have really good technology that's able to track us on an individual level, I think we're going to start seeing medication created on a far more personal level 
So then you're going to have medications that are not only more effective, but also that don't have anywhere near as many side effects as they do today. Well, the whole wearable technology thing, uh, I think over the past couple of years is really starting to take off. Like how far are we away from like some really meaningful wearables that can measure uh, our, our bodies in a meaningful way that, you know, our doctor could use that information? Yeah, I think we're, we're kind of in the early stages of it now. Um, you know, things like Fitbits and, and all that stuff. Uh, I think those are kind of more novelties at this point. I think we start to we need to start to see some of the really uh, the really killer apps um, that are going to um, you know kind of unobtrusively measure things that are actually important. Uh, you know, I was reading an article the other day about sleep monitors and how sleep monitors are kind of useless right now. They tell us, well, you didn't sleep very well last night. Well, you kind of know that already if you you, know, you wake <laughs> up and you're and you're tired. So. I think uh, you know. I think we've we've only just sort of touched on it. We only realized that hey, we have the sensors and all that stuff that can measure a lot of this, uh, a lot of our activities and and uh, you know processes and whatever. We have a lot of technology to do it. It's just that we need to start to think of uh, new and creative ways of doing it that's actually useful. I think we're going to start to see that. You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, hype and expectations over the Apple Watch and what that's going to do. Um, so it's good. that that's coming out in April. So with luck, hopefully Apple, you know, Apple's got this track record of really uh, uh, not necessarily doing things first, but doing things properly. So we'll see if they're able to crack the uh, crack the code here on, on how to make a wearable that's actually useful. So when we talk about wearable technologies, where do you see us going with technologies that's actually incorporated into our body? Yeah, well, that's, okay, so that's a little bit further afield uh you know we're talking about things like nano injections and nanobots uh and this is you know it's still a, a little bit of ways away it's all possible right now it's just a question of whether it's uh expensive to do it and easy to do it and of course there's also the uh legal and uh you know regulatory issues involved um but that's also a, a near term possibility too is where you start to have um you can we we may be able to soon have nano injections that can uh you know scope out um illnesses as they happen and then perhaps neutralize them that way the thing about life expectancy is is really uh key uh, i devote a whole chapter of it in the book um because we've actually been seeing life expectancy growing quite a bit over the last uh, 100 years or so um some of that and this is in all countries too not just in in uh, in advanced countries like canada um, you're seeing advent, you're seeing life expectancy grow on the low end because there's uh, infant mortality in a lot of developing nations is plunging uh, dramatically so. Uh, but then on the other side of it, we're also having our, our lives extended by uh, better diagnosis of, of illnesses and better treatments for them, better prevention. Um, so all that stuff is working together to, to allow us to live longer. Um, there's a United Nations study uh, that was, it was a pretty... Um, a pretty bold study that looked at what the hum- what uh, what is the future of the human population to the year 2300. Um, <laughs> I think they they acknowledged that beyond really 2050 or 2075, they're all just kind of guessing. Uh, but the conclusion of this report was that there is no upper limit on on the uh, on the length of life expectancy that we can expect. What does that mean, though? Like, as a society, are we ready to deal with people that are living to 100 or 150? Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty clear no at this point. Um, obviously, a lot of countries are challenged now because we have so many more people living to older ages, and this is actually creating quite the burden on uh, you know the social safety net and uh, and pensions and that kind of thing. 
Um, so I don't think we're ready for that. Um, it's something that that's another issue that's being created by technology. So, you know, we kind of uh, we know some of the bigger ones like global warming, of course, is a big one. And then, of course, the, the big angst of the day is uh, are robots going to take our jobs? Uh, the answer there is yes, but the uh, the, the, the solutions is that the governments need to get motivated uh, and need to start actually working on programs that are going to create new jobs. Um, and similarly, they have to also curb global warming. So, but this is another uh, another issue that they have to start to think about: is um, what is you know? I think some some countries are doing better than others. Japan, for example, has a uh, it's interesting because they're dealing with a growing or an aging population with robots, if you can believe it. So, um, you know, they're creating more and more robot healthcare <laughs> workers and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, so these are all issues that govern our governments are, uh, and, and all of us need to start talking about and thinking about. Peter, I, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I mean, we've really only touched the tip of the iceberg uh, when it comes to your uh, book. Where can people pick it up? Uh, it's available pretty much everywhere, bookstores. Uh, all the major bookstores, and it's also available as an ebook in the usual spots, uh, Kindle and Kobo and so on. Very good. Good luck with uh, the book. All right. Thank you. That was Peter Nowak. He's the author of Humans 3.0. Fascinating look at uh, what the future could hold for us. Yeah, it's interesting. He said uh, in his book that most people can't think beyond 2050 just yeah. because things change so fast. If you look what happened in the last five years. I know. Who could have predicted some of this stuff? Absolutely. It's, it's, everybody is uh, into technology these days, and it's just amazing. I want to open up the phone lines, taking any of your tech calls and questions today. We're open line, kind of like your on-air tech support. Uh, I can also give you buying advice for all the, the gadgets that you might be looking at. 604-280-9898. And if you're phoning long distance, we've got a toll-free number, 1-877-399-9898. So you're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Brar. Beautiful day here in Vancouver, B.C. Springs around the corner. Oh, my goodness. I, I have to go to Toronto next week. Mm. <laughs> and I'm looking at, at the warmest day is going to be minus 7. <laughs> it's crazy. Wow. And it's just like, it's like spring here. It's funny. Uh, BuzzFeed actually did a, an article kind of tongue, tongue-in-cheek about Vancouver or in British Columbia because yeah. we've had such great weather. Well, the whole East Coast is just in... Yeah, they're not loving us. Yeah, so they were, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek and making fun of uh, Vancouver because it's sunny and it's yeah. so nice outside. But, uh, yeah, it's hilarious. We've opened up the phone lines here and Get Connected, 604-280-9898. Taking any of your tech calls or questions, one 399 Anything from computers to smartphones to cameras to home theater stuff. Or just troubleshooting. Or just troubleshooting. We'll answer that for you. Uh, interesting thing, uh, you could actually get some money if you had some computer gear back in the the early 2000s. If you bought any kind of electronic device basically between um, 1999 and 2002, you can uh, actually contribute to this class action lawsuit about DRAM, which is Dynamic Random Access Memory, which is used in just about... Yeah, computer memory. Basically in all digital devices. What happened was the manufacturers of this DRAM between 99 and 2002, they were colluding and, and inflating the price for, for RAM. I remember back then, like RAM was so up and down with the pricing. Yeah. And I just remember sometimes it would just spike sky high. I'm like, why? Exactly. This is not like gasoline here. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? Well, that's a whole other story there. But, <laughs> um, but so anyway, um, 
around the world, they've, you know, done settlements. And here in Canada, I think uh, it's like an $80 million settlement. So yeah. uh, you can actually get some of this cash. And there's two ways. There's the simple route and the more difficult route. If you've actually kept receipts or anything from back then, I don't know who would have, but you can actually get more. But if you go the simple route, going up to the website, uh, I think you can get like 20 bucks. Absolutely. It's, uh, the website's called The Money Is Mine. And if .ca. You, .ca. And if you go over there, you just have to fill out a simple form and you'll get mailed in a $20 check, which is pretty cool. Uh, I don't have any receipts from that time. I know between 99 and 2002, I bought a lot of different electronics. Um, I was still a teenager around that time. So, yeah, yeah. I bought a lot of electronics and uh, I wish I kept those receipts. It would have made a lot of money right now. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. The money so. is mine.ca. Going to jump here to uh, Bob in Chilliwack. Hey, Bob. Hi. Hi. You know what? Uh, regarding the tiering of internet, that's how they sell it here. Uh, they sell it in tiers now. That's the way I got to get mine. Yeah, no, uh, exactly. They've got uh, different um, speeds that you can get, you know, like from 25 megabits to 100 megabits uh, down. Uh, I, I think what they're doing in the U.S. is was a whole other level of that, really, because um, right now we've got, you know, the internet that we all use, and your ISP can basically sell you different packages there. Uh, some of them down there, like Comcast, wanted to create a whole new level of yeah. it, essentially. Yeah, basically it's like uh, on top of the standard internet that we have, it would have been like the super internet. Yeah. And then they wanted to charge more for that. And then, of course, kind of like what Bell was doing, they could start giving some programming or some kind of content that doesn't count or yeah. goes into this super fast internet and the other ones don't. But what we're trying to see and what everyone wants is that the internet just stays open. You can get faster speeds depending if you're a business or if you're a gamer. Or yeah, you they're, just, they're basically throttling the speed on you. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it's still um, using the, the same basic internet. They are, yeah. and they are, and they, they have to make their money and be, for providing that infrastructure and whatnot. But um, I don't think, even though these big companies want to tier the internet, I don't think it's going to happen because it's so important that it stays equal just for people out there to um, play on, a, on an equal level playing field. Can jump to Howard in Vancouver. Hey, Howard. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. I have a question for you. I've been trying to uh, load up MSN.com, and I keep getting the Canadian version, and I've tried to go into the computer to reboot everything, but for some reason I've got that. Is that permanently now in Canada? There's no way to, to have the the U.S. version come up? Yeah, I used to do that with Google. I wanted to go to Google.com, and then it always brought me to Google.ca. Yeah. So uh, what's happening there is they can tell where you're from, essentially. Based on your IP. Yeah, d yeah, based on the IP address of your uh, your computer. So um, if you don't want that, you, you have to get software basically that masks where you're coming from. Yeah, um, the easiest route that you could do is install this little plugin extension called Ola, H-O-L-A. And what it will do is you can say, make it look like I'm coming from the U.S. And so then it will, it basically it's a virtual private network. And it will make it, look like you are coming from the U.S. So when you do go to msn.com, it'll take you to msn.com and not the Canadian version. And you could also, if you have a Netflix subscription, you could use that to uh, watch U.S. Netflix. There was a, a conference, uh, I think this last week, I, I don't know where it was, back east somewhere, I believe, uh, and a lot of the telecom executives were there. And I think one of the Rogers guys said it'd be good if the Canadian government shut down virtual private networks. Yes. 
of course. so that people couldn't access U.S. content, U.S. It, Netflix. It, it was funny because only the geeks kind of knew about this and how yeah. to do it. But now, like, the everyday person. My dad came up to me one day, and he's like, so I heard there's a way to get U.S. Netflix. How do I get that? And I was like, okay, <laughs> wow. The most non-techie guy I know is, is talking about this. So you know that that kind of uh, tip is spreading. And, of course, it's going to make guys, uh, executives that, for the telecoms, uh, concerned. Well, they are concerned because, uh, you know, like the Rogers and Bells uh, of the world, uh, you know, they own a lot of channels here up yeah. in Canada. There are our TV providers as well. So they're paying truckloads of money for the content. The U.S. content. Yeah, the U.S. content. So when you're watching CSI and all these different shows, they're paying millions and millions of dollars uh, for that. So if you start accessing all of that through the U.S., it makes it difficult for them to get their money back through advertising or however they're you know, uh, subscriptions or what have you, making money from it. So um, I can kind of see their point, but um, forcing the government to shut down things like virtual private networks, which I just, it's virtually impossible. Yeah, you to, know what's going to gonna do. happen. When you tell like like the geeks of the world, you can't do this, what do you yeah. think they're going to do? They're well, going to find they, a, a they loophole. always find a way around it because that's what technology is about. We're going to have to take another break. The phone line's again, 604-280-9898. When we come back, more of your calls. Phil and Jay, stay on the line. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here, taking your calls and questions. 604-280-9898, 1-877-399-9898. We are on air tech support. Mm-hmm. Troubleshooters. Buying advice, anything. Just call us. Going to jump here to the phone line. Uh, is it Jay? Are you there? Hi, I'm there. Yes. Hi. What can we do for you? Oh, I'm a big fan of your show, though. Thank you. Uh, I have a question. I saved the uh, pictures on my external drive uh, way back in the year 2007. And in the meantime, I transferred them from one drive to another. But when I tried to open those pictures saved in the year 2007, I cannot open them. So you, you can't open the, the pictures you have on that hard drive on your computer? Uh, yes. The one I saved in the year 2007 on my external drive. When I try to open them now on my computer, I cannot open them. Mm, interesting. What kind of format uh, are those files in? Do you know? JPEG. JPEG. Think they were corrupted, Andy? It could be. You know, that's the thing about these. Oh. That's having a little trouble there, Mike. <laughs> this thing's so complicated. This phone board. <laughs> the thing about um, external hard drives, they they do wear out over time, and that's why it's never recommended that you put important data on just one of them. You yeah. always want to make backup copies. We like to always encourage people to put it up into the cloud as well, just to kind of have a different options. So. It could be that the files are corrupted. In yeah, that case, a, yeah, you have to use a file, like one of those recovery tools yeah. that can kind of um, try to fix and patch those uh, those files together and make them readable again. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things to check out. You've got that external drive. Try it on a few different computers mm -hmm. uh, to see if one of those other computers will be able to read the files. Uh, try, if you can, copying those files onto your desktop yep. and seeing if they'll open from there. Uh, if not, something has got corrupted along another the way. Another thing, another thing is to try different software programs to open up the files. Uh, maybe some programs can't read those JPEGs from 2007, 
But uh, if you if you open up different kinds and just really you have to narrow what the problem is 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 the data corrupted or is it just like uh, an old format of JPEG? But I've never really seen that before. JPEG is one of the most uh, common picture yeah, files. It works on and it's, everything. and it's been around for a long, long time. Yeah. So uh, if that's not working, you might try some recovery tools. Uh, Pareto Logic out of uh, Victoria here, actually, they've got a, a bunch of different types of. Uh, software recovery tools and image recovery tools, so uh, that might be a way that uh, you have to go. Yeah, I had um, I take I, I took some photos on a vacation once, and the SD card got corrupted, yeah. and there was thousands of pictures on there, and I was able to recover some of them by using t- some software that I found online that yeah. basically tries to patch it all together. Yeah, you know, especially with pictures now, and I I have a problem. I've got seventy thousand photos. <laughs> Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's yeah. Well, you know what it is? It's, you know, I'm I'm in a family of 5. I've got 3 kids, my wife, um and over the years I've taken, you know, with digital cameras, you just keep snapping. So I've got thousands of photos that I've taken myself. But now, you know, all the kids and my wife, they're taking photos with their smartphones and stuff and dumping them onto the uh, you know, our home server and it's just really added up. So, so is that where all your files are located on your home server? Well, I've got a couple things going. So I've got them on my home server, which has redundant backup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also uh, periodically, at least once a month, I back that up to another external hard drive. And I also have cloud storage. So I, I have Amazon uh, Prime cloud storage mm-hmm. that I back up all my photos to as well. So if anything ever happens, they're safe. Yeah. No, that's a very uh, house burns down. They're up in the cloud. Exactly. So, you know, a really good deal on storage right now, um, Office 365. So if you use Microsoft Office, they've got this new subscription service. Uh, so you get the full Office suite. Um, I think it's like less than 10 bucks a month. I think it is $10 a month. It's like probably the best deal out there right now because uh, it gets you Microsoft Office for five computers. Mm-hmm. They can be laptops or whatever in your house. So everyone in the home can have a copy of Microsoft Office. Uh, they can also put that on their iPhones and tablets and stuff as well, outside of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on top of that, each one of those five people get one terabyte of cloud storage. One terabyte. Yeah, that's that's It's absolutely. huge. It's huge. Yeah, Microsoft basically doing the same kind of business model that Adobe has done with yep. their creative cloud suite. Um, a lot of professionals that use Photoshop, Premiere, uh, After Effects. Now that is, I think it's $50 a month. And you get it. And one of the great things about that and Microsoft Office 365 is when there's an update, it's just automatic. Yeah. So you always you're always using the latest version of that software. Whereas a lot of people still use Office for like 2003 on on a lot of their computers. Yeah. But you know that can be troublesome sometimes when you're trying to open files from different people. Like yeah. just the compatibility's not there anymore. So again, Office 365, heck of a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's for home anyway. Uh, five licenses essentially, for your computers, uh, and that one terabyte of storage for in the cloud for each one of those. It's definitely great people. for students as well. Anyone oh going God, to yeah. university, having something like that is just going to But you could use that storage for all your photos and stuff. Absolutely. And still have tons of room. When we come back from the break, it's that time. App of the Week with Christina Stoyanova. Stay tuned. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Just a little bit time left, but one of my favorite segments, App of the Week with Christina. Thanks for coming in studio. Thanks for having me, Mike. What do you got today? Today I have an app 
called Splash Top, and that's available for Android, iPhone, and iPad. I have actually used this. It is super awesome. Yes, it is super awesome. So this app actually lets you access your desktop over a 3G or 4G network. Uh, so if you're away from your computer and you need a file that is stored on your desktop, you can access it. You can actually use the programs that are on your desktop as well. And that works for Mac and PC, I believe, right? Yeah, you can even play you know, some of the video games that are on there. If you're a gamer, you can actually access and play those games. And uh, it's all optimized for a touchscreen, which is pretty cool. But then you drive your, uh, your data costs up, so you got to be careful of that. Yes, you do have to be aware of that. So maybe don't play too many of those games, but, you know... If you're in a pinch, it's a good way to access your computer. So to do the, to do this, you just have to download the app, and there's actually a subscription uh, that you can use yearly or monthly. And you also need to download something called the Splash Top Streamer onto your PC or Mac. This is actually really cool for work and something that uh, I'm using. So instead of having to take my laptop, you know, to meetings, you know, in the boardroom or the, the meeting rooms, I can basically just take my iPad and if I do need anything off of my computer, I can just simply log into the app and presto kazinga, I've got it. Yes, exactly. It's very handy and they actually do have both personal and business plans. So if you have a small business, you can actually get everyone on this and have them be able to access their you know, work computer while they're on vacation. I'm sure you'd love that, Mike. No, not so much. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, and so works on iOS and Android? Yep, that's right. Very cool. App of the Week with Christina, thanks for coming in. Thanks again for having me. So it's been a really busy week for us uh, at the office. We're actually moving our entire office and uh, studio mm -hmm. for the TV show. Um, so that's a lot of work in itself. But I think the hardest thing was moving the arcade cabinets that we have. Yeah, so we have two like a full-size arcade machine that can play basically every arcade game that was ever created. And it is huge. And this is the one thing. We can't figure out how to get this into our new studio because it's so heavy. <laughs> no. And, and you didn't believe me. You were like, oh, no, no, we can move it. And I'm like, trust me, I've moved this I thing I know, we were moving times. things like fridges and filing cabinets. They're even full of stuff. Yeah. And, oh, my God, this, this arcade cabinet, it's like it weighs like a, like a Volkswagen van. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like just because it's so wide that we're going to have to take it upstairs. And we don't even know how we're going to do that. If anybody out there knows how to move a full-size arcade, give us a, send us an email. Upstairs. <laughs> upstairs, oh yeah. Oh, my God. It's like the last thing. But we love that arcade machine. So somehow <laughs> we have to find a way to get well, that. Well, I, I love food, too. So we, I got the fridge in. Yeah, you got the fridge in. Yeah. That, well, that was good. But um, what I like about this arcade, it's got the old monitor on it, the tube yeah, just, yeah, just like from the 70s and 80s, right? But, but the problem is it's so heavy because I of know. that. And I still can't figure out. I'm, I've been like, I'm going to Google how to move an arcade machine because I'm, I'm at that point where I can't figure out how we're going to physically lift this thing. Just getting it into our old studio was hard, but this is on a whole different level because we actually have to go up some stairs. Well, we need it in this week. Oh, but I got to go to Toronto. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the support, Mike. Yeah. Andy, so, you figure this you out. You figure that one out, but don't break it. But it's, what's cool is because we also have um, a projector, and we want to do is hook up the arcade to the projector so we can play like Centipede 
on a 200 foot screen. Oh my gosh, yeah. So that projector we've got in our reception area. Yeah. Literally, the screen is huge because we just put it on the entire wall. It's funny, we have so much stuff to do, but what do we do? We hook the projector up first (laughs) (laughs) and watch music videos because that was a priority to see how big we can get that screen. You know what we forgot? Contest. Oh, that's right. Because uh, we talked to Peter Novak about his new book, Humans 3.0. We're going to give a copy of that away, but we'll do something a little different. Tweet us at at GetConnectedNow if you want to win Peter Nowak's new book, Humans 3.0. It's a fascinating book. I'm, I'm currently reading it right now. and uh, it's just Do they get their own copy? They is get it, their own. Is this an Andy copy? No, no, no. Okay. This is brand new. Maybe, I'll get, maybe you can sign it for Peter, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Peter will love that. Yeah. No, it, it's really a fantastic read, and uh, Peter's a fantastic writer, so he's done a lot of research into what the future of human beings it's going to be all about. So uh, great read and definitely a book I, I recommend, yeah. even if you don't win it. So just uh, send us a tweet um, at our Twitter handle, at GetConnectedNow, all one word, for your chance to win Peter Nowak's new book, Humans 3.0. I want to thank all the folks that helped put uh, Get Connected together. Also Andy Barrar, my uh, co-host and producer. Looks like that's all the time we have left. Mike, Andy, and Christina logging off. We'll see you again next time here on Get Connected.